Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. First Corinthians, where Aiden read for us just a moment ago. Aiden, thank you for reading scripture. I, I'm so, listen, we've, I don't know if you noticed, but we've had a lot of teenagers come up here lately and they're taking part in the service. They asked to do that. That's pretty cool, isn't it? They want to they wanna be part of our service. And, um, and I'm just thankful for them. And, and I mean, it's not just like them getting up and reading here. Um, they, they practice right? During the week. So, I mean, they put some time into this and, and ministering to you. And I'm just so thankful for that. But um, as Baptists, um, as people of the book, that's what we like to call ourselves because we, we want to live our lives by God's word. We want to worship according to God's word. As Baptists, as people of the book, we celebrate, we recognize two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper or, or communion. And we are blessed to partake in both this morning. Uh, for y'all, um, just communion. And, um, but if you're at lunch, you're at Giorgio's or San Jose, we'll have a baptism at the end of the second service. You can go to live stream, right? And watch Tucker, uh, publicly profess his faith in Jesus Christ, uh, probably around right before noon. And so, and make sure that you encourage him. Uh, that's the only negative part of having two services is sometimes you miss things like that. Uh, Tucker doesn't need to be dunked twice this morning, right? And, um, but, but Jesus celebrated the last supper as the final Passover meal uh, with his disciples on the eve of his sacrificial death for our atonement. And Jesus has commanded that his followers uh, observe, regularly observe this worship event, both the Lord's Supper and baptism. They are Christian uh, celebrations, meaning they are from our Savior and they are for those who have been saved. Um, for those who have trusted in who Jesus is, that he is God in the flesh, and, that, uh, and what Jesus has done, that he has died for our sins, and he's rose from the dead. This is for you who have, at some point in your life, accepted Christ as your Savior by confessing your sins, believing he died as a substitutionary sacrifice to God for your sins, and rose from the dead. Th- these are two special, precious worship events, and they are designed to glorify God, as any form of worship is, but they are also designed to give grace. Um, they are conduits. They are like pipes uh, of um, God's grace. Not his saving grace. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. Amen? That's saving grace. But, but as far as sustaining grace... Um, it helping us, empowering us, encouraging us to live the Christian life. Uh, yeah, baptism and communion definitely do that. They're like conduits of sustaining grace for us, just as our uh, spending time in God's Word on a daily basis and spending time with the Lord in prayer and um, public and private worship 
and serving the Lord together, fellowship with other Christians, all means of grace to sustain us as we follow Jesus Christ in this world. And these two ordinances, baptism and communion, they provide us with sustaining grace, first of all, because they point us back to the cross. We sung about it uh, this morning. How does communion do that? Well, I think it's pretty obvious. If you look at verse um, 23 and 24, it says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. Paul says, um, this is what Jesus has taught me, and I taught it to you, church in Corinth, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he break it. And he said, take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. So when we celebrate the Lord's Supper by um, passing out the bread, praying over it, thanking God for what it symbolizes, the broken body of Christ as he hung on that cross for us, uh, it, we are pointed back to the cross. Jesus said in John six fifty one, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And also through the cup, through his blood. In verse 25, it says, after the same manner also... Jesus took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament, new covenant in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. And the Bible tells us this about Jesus in Colossians 2, or Colossians 1, 20 and 21. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, dwell in Christ, and, and through him, through Jesus, to reconcile everything to himself by making peace through the blood of his cross. And so through our worshipful observance of the Lord's Supper here in just a little bit, in obedience to Christ's command, um, we who have saving grace, we receive sustaining grace to live the Christian life because in, in this worship celebration, we're pointed back to the cross. Uh, this also occurs as we celebrate our other ordinance. In baptism, we're reminded in baptism of our union with Christ's death. God speaks to Christians through the Apostle Paul in Romans Chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, he says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into his death. And God is teaching us there uh, that when we trust in Jesus as our Savior, we are united to Jesus in his death. The old sin nature has been crucified. The bondage to sin that we were under, it is destroyed. Now we're going to continue to struggle with sin, until Christ returns or calls us home. But, but there's a struggle now. And it's one that can be overcome. Amen? We can. There's victory in Jesus. When the Christian, um, who this is true of, when we decide to follow the Lord in believers' baptism, uh, he or she is making a public declaration of what's already happened in our life. Um, they're giving a testimony, usually without saying a whole lot, but they're given a testimony, a sermon in action, and we who are all out there, who are witnesses of that testimony, just like them, we're pointed back to the cross of Jesus Christ that saves us. And that's a, a source of sustaining grace in our lives. When Tucker will go under that water momentarily later this morning, it should be a reminder to everyone of uh, his and our death in union with Christ. That our old sin nature, it no longer has the control that it had before we were saved. We are new creations in Jesus Christ. And these two ordinances, uh, baptism and communion, they also provide us with sustaining grace because they point us here to community. 
How does that happen in communion? Well, we're reminded of our union in salvation. Uh, why don't we just read verse 24 to 26? I'm going to read them once more. Uh, it says in verse uh, 24, And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is a New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Now, you probably notice I put some emphasis on different syllables there. <laughs> Yous and yees. And there's a point there because that's uh, one of the things I do like about the King James Version as opposed to modern versions. It lets you know who he's talking to. When you see yous and yees, really what it means is y'all. I wish there was a, somebody do this. Somebody write a modern English version that says y'all. Would you? Because most of the newer English ones, they just say you. And you don't have that difference that you get in the King James. When it says thee or thou, it's talking to one person. It's singular. When it says ye or you, it's talking, it's saying y'all and plural. And so what is, what's the whole point there? Well, we're reminded of our union together in salvation. I mean, there's a reason we call this co-munion. We don't do this alone at home by ourselves. We do it together. That's God's design. God's word says in 1 Peter 2, uh, verses 5 and 9, it refers to individual Christians as living stones. And that we're built up together into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. I hope you notice the corporate, the plural, the community nature of those uh, terms that were uh, used by God to describe Jesus' followers there. And for us to be a people like that, um, to be in union together, there also must be a union in submission. First Peter 3.8, God says, Now all of you should be like-minded and sympathetic, should love other believers, be compassionate, be humble. Ephesians 5.21, we're told that the Christian is to submit to each other in the fear of Christ. These guys were not doing so good. <laughs> And we didn't read it, um, but we'll read it right now. Would you look at verse 17 through 22? And God asked Paul to say this. Now in this I declare unto you, I praise you not, <laughs> that you come together not for the better, it's for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there's divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must also be heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. And when you come together, therefore, into one place, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper, because in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper. One is hungry, Another's drunken. What? Have you not houses to eat and to drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say unto you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. And then drop down to verse 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. What are you talking about there, unworthily? Well, doing what they were doing in verses 17 uh, to 22. And he says in verse 30, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we're chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry for one another. That's why we do this. You know, when the deacons will pass this out in just a moment, and then I'll serve the deacons, um, you don't pop that thing in your mouth right away, right? We wait to do it together. 
We tarry with one another, just like it says here. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together into condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. Um, and asking us to humbly and lovingly live in submission to each other, Jesus is just asking us to do what he did. And we've already read it, but if you look at verses 23 to 26, it says, he took it. He broke it. And he gave it figuratively. I mean, I mean, actually, in that Lord's Supper, he did that. But what was it pointing to? What he would do the next day? He took his body. He broke. It wasn't Roman soldiers that put him to death. It wasn't even really your and my sins that did. They were causes. They were reasons. Jesus said in John 10, 18, no one takes it from me. I lay it down myself. And I have the right to take it up again. <laughs> I have received this command from my Father. We need to have a union and submission to each other because of our union and salvation. We also had union and service. That's not just what Jesus did back here. He served the disciples this last supper meal. Uh, and it's not just what Jesus is doing for us now. God is not served. This is an Acts. God is not served by human hands. Um, really, even when we're serving him, he's serving us. And he's promised that that's what he will always do, even when he returns. Jesus said in Luke 12, uh, 37, those slaves that the master will find alert when he comes will be blessed. I assure you, he will get ready. He'll have them recline at the table and he will come and serve them. It's always the way it is. And so we need to follow our savior in service, have a union in service. Uh, we're also pointed here um, to community through the ordinance of baptism. And we welcome everyone to attend and be a part of what God's doing here at Dublin First Baptist. Uh, sincerely invite everyone to worship the Lord with us. Um, but in order to be an, an actual voting, serving, devoted uh, member of our church, to join us as a member and truly be part of us in the most deep familial sense, um, that's limited to saved, baptized individuals. Uh, much like the Lord's Supper, the ordinance of baptism, it also points us to God's gift of sustaining grace because um, it's then that we're brought into community. Uh, the individual who's baptized, who, who's publicly testifying of what Jesus has done, what has already happened in their life, they're now eligible to become a full-fledged uh, member of our community of faith here. I've noticed a trend, like probably in the last decade, of really churches not doing that. Like, they don't even have membership, and they definitely don't promote it. Um, here's why it matters. And we, it matters because, according to God's word, we're a congregationally run church. That means you elect your leadership. Um, you elect your pastors, your, your deacons, your committees, and, and everyone who serves in some aspect. And in order to serve in these areas, it's required that you be saved, that you be baptized, that you have joined us as a member in order to vote for someone to serve, uh, in order to have a say regarding what God desires for Dublin First Baptist Church to do, uh, it's required by our biblically-based constitution uh, that you be saved, that you be baptized, and that you join us as a committed member. And as a member, there's other privileges and benefits. Um, you, you're covenanting together with us um, to help each other grow in our relationship with the Lord. Among other things, that will include uh, members humbly and lovingly and gracefully challenging each other to forsake sin and to follow Jesus. And we do that in Christian love for each other because we are in a community, <laughs> a community. And uh, the celebration of baptism, it's a reminder for us all of this. We are given sustaining grace from the Lord when we're a part 
of this community. And finally, these two ordinances provide us with sustaining grace because they point us forward to his coming. Um, Look at verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. The first part there, um, that's what these two ordinances are all about, showing the Lord's death. They're gospel declarations. They're, they're like many sermons in action, whether it's baptism or the Lord's Supper. We're showing the Lord's death. But look at those last three words, till he come. How does communion point us forward to his coming? We're reminded of the purpose of his first advent. And we've gone over that already this morning, but God tells us in 1 John 3, 5, and 8, you know that he was revealed, that he might take away sins. That's why Jesus came in his first coming. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil, to destroy sin and our bondage to it, and to destroy the result of sin, death. But it's also a reminder for you and I to proclaim to ourselves, like here this morning when we celebrate the Lord's Supper and through baptism, and to others to proclaim his second advent. It says, till he comes. Those three words are, they're almost like an arrow that you could draw through the pages of your New Testament all the way to Revelation 21, verses three through five, where it says, then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is now with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them. He'll be their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will no longer exist. Grief, crying, and pain will exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. And the one who is seated on the throne, he said, look, behold, I make all things new. Communion's a call to look to that coming day. We do this till he come. And so the fact that we're going to do it this morning points to the fact that one day we won't. <laughs> we will have a perfect, total Eternal communion with Jesus Christ and with each other. Baptism also points us forward to Christ's coming. Tucker will not be under the water long this morning. That's somebody, everybody's always nervous about that. That's one of the questions they always ask me. I don't know if he asked you, Pastor Daniel, but um, he will not be under the water even for the length of time that his going under symbolizes. The three days, you know, he's not, it won't even be three seconds. He, he will raise up out of that water symbolizing what's already happened in his life because he's trusted in Christ as Savior, that his old nature has been crucified and it's been buried. But also that he has a new nature when he comes up out of that water. Um, That's what it's symbolizing, that that when he got saved, he was given a new nature. The Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ (laughs) now lives in him. And just like Jesus was raised from the dead, Tucker has been raised to new spiritual life in Jesus And baptism points us forward to Christ's coming because everyone who has had that new spiritual life, they also are going to receive new eternal physical life when Christ returns. A new eternal, painless, curseless, sinless, forever body when our Savior returns for us. As we celebrate our communion with our God and with each other this morning, and as we celebrate later on the new life in Christ at Tucker has received. I invite you all to focus in the next 10 minutes as we celebrate this. Focus your mind on these three gifts of God's grace. Be pointed back to the cross and everything that we're doing here. And then um, be pointed to the blessing, this gift of grace that this community is right here. And then be pointed to the gift of grace that is having your focus set on his coming for us. They're all gospel messages, this and that. Uh, Symbolic sermons that are delivered to us through communion and baptism.